Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Good to have you with us in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse on a snowy day, although it uh, tapered off quite a bit from what it originally looked like this morning, a driving snowstorm so all these schools delayed and canceled there wasn't really much snow on the ground but it uh, got there in a hurry and uh, now it's considerably more pleasant as we glide into a hump day afternoon with lots going on a football basketball convergence today that we'll tell you about those of you on uh, facebook live thanks for joining us just uh, disrobed for the uh, camera here at the start of the show dropping the tie and uh Ready to relax and uh, and do a little radio with you, Polly, on uh, a combo. We've got the football uh, signing day, which is a new thing. This just before Christmas, early signing period of uh, three days, and obviously uh, all of that or almost all of the signing that happens in three days. A lot of it happens in the first couple of hours of today, and uh, then they'll get back at it with an eye toward a handful of scholarships for about a third of the recruits still out there in circulation for uh, February. And we also have a basketball game to rehash, and we'll do that with Donna DeTota of Syracuse.com coming up in just a bit. Orange uh, winning last night against a good Buffalo team. One of the jumping-off points for Donna, I've already run into two people today who said, boy, closer than expected last night. I don't think so at all. Syracuse won the game by seven. I think somebody predicted eight just before the game. And uh, was right on eight until uh, Buffalo hit a three in the uh, last minute that uh, kind of uh, ruined that prediction. But uh, Buffalo's pretty good, and uh, Syracuse hung in there on a night where Tyus Battle was shut down to a degree. His scoring low, when you take out of consideration the Toledo game where he was hurt, uh, it was his second lowest scoring output of the game they had to find different ways and Buffalo's got some players they got at least three guys that I think could be role players or better at the ACC level and uh, they're going to win a lot how about Buffalo today Polly this is a a story that you I'm sure would appreciate Uh, my friend who travels with them says uh, that their flight today which was early to begin with going from Syracuse to Dallas which then they'll have a three hour bus ride to College Station because the Game is against Texas A&M tomorrow night. The plane had to land early on the way because they flew into stiff headwinds the whole way, and uh, that ate up more fuel than they anticipated. They put the plane down in Little Rock. Not a fan. So now they've got to <laughs> wait around until they can get the bird back up in the air and uh, move it on to uh, Dallas, and then a bus ride, and then shoot arounds and whatever, and that's the grind of college basketball. Then all those guys head off to uh, their various uh, homelands for a little bit of Christmas break, and they don't play again until the 28th. The Syracuse basketball team won't get much of a break at all. Orange play Friday night, and the players will be on their own for a couple of days, and they definitely have practice on Christmas. Uh, 
with uh, the next game being on the 27th against Eastern Michigan and Rob Murphy. So uh, short break, such as life of a high-profile major college uh, athlete and uh, in, in men's basketball. So that's the deal with them. The Syracuse women play tomorrow and Friday in Las Vegas, two of the uh, toughest challenges they'll have, including Mississippi State, which is a significant threat to the Orange's uh, 11-0 record here at the start of the year. If you'd like to join us, you can, 437-764-ESPN44. If you'd like to uh, chime in on the show, early signing period in football, a little bit of a curveball thrown today at the Orange as this uh, offensive lineman Tyrone Sampson, a four-star recruit, a guy who had been very vocal in his commitment and all Orange and coming early uh, today, not only did not sign with Syracuse, he hasn't signed with anybody and indicated on Twitter that he is going to go through all the way into the spring uh, through the completion of the high school year and take all four of his remaining official visits. So uh, he's going to be out there for consideration for other schools. Now, not likely that he'll come to Syracuse. And so that one was a bit of a blow, but the Orange did close on a quarterback from uh, Tyler Texas named Chance Amy. They've got a handful of New York recruits that they like and uh, plugged in some gaps in uh, where talent needed to be added to the program. And we will address that uh, with Coach Dino Babers. Uh, hope to have that for you a bit later in the show. Going to go a little grumpy old man, I thought, Polly, on these uh, recruiting commitment videos that the guys do. Like, it's all about how much attention you can absorb now as a recruit. And these guys are fawned over. And I understand why the coaches have to fawn over. They're competitive with other schools for the services and the attention of these players. But my goodness now, with the uh, the various ways and the movie spoofs and the things that they do to indicate where they commit. So uh saw one today that riled me up a little bit. What happened? Uh, well, I wanted to get his, his name. I emailed it to myself here. It's the, the, the top... And I don't follow recruiting probably as closely as I should for various reasons. That's a topic for another time, not the least of which, particularly in football, it might be a year or two or three for, before these guys make any impact, uh, you know, if if there is any at all. And uh, and so I kind of slow play it when it uh, comes to that stuff. Let, let me see when you um, get here and what you can do. But the, the guy who was caught up in the Ohio State deal where apparently if I'm – reading correctly, there was some sort of violation with Ohio State because the guy took a picture at game day with Kirk Herbstreet and Eddie George, and apparently that was and these, those guys didn't know who they are you know, they, they get asked to take pictures with lots of people they didn't know uh, who he was in the first place, so that's a violation that's like the kid who, who at Iowa a few years ago, they you know, intentionally, not intentionally bumped him into Ashton Kutcher, and then they got in trouble because the, the dealing with the famous fan thing is, is problematic Anyway, the guy does um, indicate his uh, choice today, but here's the pet peeve. You can do your whole thing, and it was a well-produced video, but the whole thing, like the videos got, you know, at the end, directed by, and, you know, there was a lot of effort put into it, um, and I'm sure that's great for the family, and I don't want to be a total buzzkill on that. Have your fun. It's your moment where you're the rock star. Go for it. I draw the line at teasing the schools you didn't pick. You miss the days that you don't like the two hats on the table? That's fine. The, uh, I'll go right up to the hats are all there, and this is the one I'm picking. I don't want the hat 
the put it on, hey, like as you're celebrating, you're with that. Like, and I know Scott Schaefer got upset at, at Syracuse. There's been recruits that have done that over time. Uh, I'm totally with them. Brutal. So this particular recruit does it. The whole video. Spoiler alert. Put he's he's uh, being shown the sweat, the uh, pullovers and stuff of the various schools that are courting him. It's all major schools. It's Oklahoma, and Ohio State, and Nebraska, Georgia. Then about the, you know, you're watching this. Now I'm watching this thing for three minutes, and he's surrounded by all his boys, and he puts on the shirt, and he goes, "Boomer sooner," and they all pile on, eh, celebrate. And then the video stops, scramble, rewind. Nope, sorry. And then it comes back, and everything from there is Penn State. Not cool, bro. That's not cool. You know what I mean? Like, you can yeah. have your fun, good, clean fun, talk about your struggle, and everybody doubted you, and you got out of your city, and you're going to set yourself up for life, and you're going to be a great performer where you're going. You're going to the NFL. All for it. Don't rub it in the face of the school you didn't choose that's not class plus it also sets you it puts a target on your back for when you actually start yeah man what if you ever actually if you play them too and you know and and in this i don't know this particular situation well enough but you know why why was oklahoma the one chosen that was kind of needled you know maybe they're probably a big 10 not a big 10 team so they're not going to be on the the schedule for penn state but nebraska might be and Ohio State is, obviously, and, and some of these ones where he uh, could have wound up. So uh, that's in poor taste. I think the people around these 17- uh, and 18-year-old rock stars don't uh, get in their ear. That's on the list of things that are in poor taste in recruiting if you want to really get into it, like not knowing the name of the school you're committing to and various other things. But I threw out on Twitter today the expression, respect my decision, which has come out. Like all these recruits, and respect my decision. Do we know the origin of that? No, and who's not? Like, and my first thought is like, is this from Game of Thrones or something that I don't watch? But uh, I think doing a little sourcing on Twitter at uh, Matt Park One, I believe it is derived somewhere from the LeBron James because the phrase was forever. I'm going to take my talents to. I'm take you know that became the commonplace. Take my talents to blank, and uh, apparently LeBron must have also used the phrase respect my decision. Maybe when he came back. To Cleveland, so all these guys are here's here's who I'm picking and recruiting. Respect my decision. Uh, as an outsider looking in on recruiting, do you see an issue? Uh, I don't. It's it's been through multiple coaches at Syracuse where, like, they seem to be not they seem to be landing the big fish and then it gets off. Well, the I line. think you know that's not great, obviously, but I think that that happens everywhere except for the cream. There's nowhere to go up. You know, if if it's Alabama or Ohio State, et cetera, okay. But I don't think it happens here more than it does at other places that are sort of in the middle. Let's put it that way. I just think we are in tune to it. You can rattle off the names because this is the program you follow uh, most closely. Uh, I do think Syracuse is in sort of the middle ground where we're appealing enough to just about anybody to get that conversation started, but then – maybe don't have quite enough to actually deliver, you know, or get that uh, big fish in, in the boat, depending on the analogy that you you want or the metaphor you want to mix in there. So uh, I think Dino Babers is excited, just coming from uh, his office in an interview we did that you'll see on uh, com. he is very tired. You know, this takes a lot out of the coaches and, and what they're asked to do. He also has uh, a coaching uh, staff change to make, not just the addition of a 10th assistant, which will come in January, but with Sean Lewis going on to Kent State to be the head coach, he's got some work to do there and uh, has obviously been in 
good standing with Lewis and helping him and and, and talking to him. So uh, lots of work to do. A little bit of a blow by not getting this uh, lineman in uh, Tyrone Sampson that they had in mind, but we'll tell you about some of the players they did get, and we'll hear from him later. We'll take a break a little bit uh, behind here. We'll come back with Donna DeTota to rehash last night's Orange men's basketball game. They remained unbeaten in the Carrier Dome, moved to 10-1 and on the season. That's when we return in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Protect yourself from the humiliating shame of missing one of our shows. It's as simple as that. Fill your library with our host podcasts and enjoy them as you wish. How does it work? Listen back on iTunes or ESPNSyracuse.com. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. I knew this would be a tough game. There's no, there's not any game that's going to be easy for. We're not going to overpower anybody. We just have to keep working. Orange head coach Jim Beheim among his post-game press conference comments last night following the Orange's victory against Buffalo, winning the game 81-74. Donna DeTota uh, was on the beat last night, is on the beat on a continual basis. That's why they call it the beat. But she was at the game last night uh, and uh, joins us now. Hello, Donna. How are you? I am well and on the beat. I know you are. You're not going anywhere. You've been on and will continue to be on. That's where I am. The beat stays on. Um, So at the pizza place today and then at the next place I went, closer game than expected last night, huh? And I said, what? No, it wasn't any. I mean, to me, that that it, it uh, misunderstands two things. One is uh, how good Buffalo is, and two, what is to be expected of this Syracuse team. I, I think they're going to have a lot of close games, and last night was one, and Friday's going to be one. I completely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the remarkable thing about them is that they are young and they are inexperienced, and they've played all these games and they've beaten everybody except Kansas. So uh, I think if you're a Syracuse fan right now, you've got to be pretty pleased with how things are going. No question about it. Uh, 13, the operative number. They were uh, down 13 at Georgetown and won. They were up 13, blew all of that lead in the second half yesterday against Buffalo. And I think there's been times where we're accustomed to seeing it, you know, leading to the thought of, oh, closer than expected. There's a lot of Syracuse teams that when they get up 13 in the second half, they win by 25. And again, there's uh, reasons for that on both sides, both a stronger, more experienced, more explosive Syracuse team and it hasn't always been the case that every opponent is this strong or capable of answering the bell. I thought Buffalo uh, was really good last night, Donna, and, and I think they're going to win a lot of games in the MAC. Yeah, you know the thing that I think that they exposed a little bit with Syracuse is they were a pretty physical, tough team. Um, I love their big guy, Nick Perkins. I thought mm-hmm. he was terrific inside there. And you know, for all of Syracuse's tenacity and for all their fight. You know, they're fairly slender along their front line, and I think that, you know, could be a, a, an issue going forward with them. I mean, again, I, I hate to say anything bad about those young kids, and, you know, on the, in the front court who have been so fantastic, um, given a bunch of different circumstances, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not real, real uh, bulky guys. No, and we've talked about that, and there's pros and cons of it. I mean, it's become a bit of a running joke of uh, Marek Dola's eyes, just very slender. He makes up for it by being in the right place so frequently and really digging in and sharpening those elbows and and uh, if he does add a little bit of bulk he could maybe even be more effective you know you mentioned Nick Perkins I thought Buffalo has probably three players in Perkins CJ Massenburg and Wes Clark that you could all see playing in the ACC and among those the number one draft pick you could argue would be 
uh, Perkins in that everybody's got a guy like Massenburg or, or maybe like right, Clark. Right. You know, boy, he he um, he had dipped off in the last two or three games, but he's been good uh, in the other seven or eight this year for Buffalo, and I thought he was outstanding last night. Yeah, I mean, he can make a three, too. So, I mean, right. that's, that makes him even a little more dangerous and a little more valuable. All right, so as for Syracuse, we're seeing O'Shea Brissett back-to-back games. Uh, just continue to fill it up. He has made a couple of shots. He was four of seven from three-point range against uh, Georgetown, made one of his two last night, and was perfect at the free-throw line. Always good to get a Kid Coles reference in because uh, (laughs) one more free-throw, O'Shea would have uh, tied Greg Cole's uh, school record from 1972. But sounds like Coach Beheim has said to him very plainly, just get to the bucket, and it seems like good things happen when he does. Yeah, I mean, he is amazing at getting to the rack. He really is. I mean, he's a strong kid. He has a really good first step, a good assertive first step where he's able to blow by guys. He's pretty strong, and um, he's able to either finish around there or if he gets fouled, uh, he's going to the line, and he's, he's been remarkable the last two games at, at making free throws. I mean, it's just been incredible. I mean, he started out the season around 68, 70%, something like that, and now he's, you know, he was twenty five of he's been twenty he was twenty five of twenty eight the last two games. So I mean he's obviously put the work in and that is his game. I mean, you know, uh, everybody keeps talking about he can he can make threes, but he hasn't made a ton of threes. And so the the key I think to him is he's gotta get it going on the inside, he's gotta drive the ball or score inside somewhere and then he can and then he can branch out a little bit. But he is a really, really tough cover at the three. No doubt about it. And if he is driving on people, then maybe the threes become more open. You've got to give him a little more space there right. uh, defensively, creates a matchup problem. And for me, what we've seen, Donna, and talking with Coach uh, Beheim briefly this morning in, in taping his television show, um, th- they're coming up with answers. You know, yes, they ho- have only three players that can score, generally speaking. But as you see different types of opponents, you play different styles. They're going to have to come up with something. Buffalo made a concerted effort to shut down Tyus Battle. Other teams are going to try to do that. And on those nights, somebody else has to step up. And it seemed like that was done in a satisfactory fashion last night. Yeah, you know, you know, these guys, some of these guys don't have huge stats. I mean, Matt Moore doesn't have huge stats. Marek doesn't have huge stats. Um, and Pascal doesn't have huge stats, but you know what? Every once in a while, they'll give you a, a bucket here or there down the stretch that's important. And the thing that these guys are doing too is, I don't know if it's, a, it's been appreciated as much as they're making huge, getting huge defensive rebounds at huge t- times in games. And that was a big problem for Syracuse and, and last year's team and, and, and some past teams too. You know, to end the possession, the defensive possession with a defensive rebound has been huge, I think, for Syracuse this year. The other thing they're doing really well is they're getting to the line. I mean, they're getting to the free throw line and they're getting the right guys on the line at the right time at the end of the game. Last night's field goal disparity Buffalo by 17. Okay, Syracuse yeah. had basically that type of margin in its favor against Georgetown because they had so many offensive rebounds. Last night, Buffalo held its own on the boards. In fact, led in rebounding for much of the game. Syracuse uh, out-rebounded them 37-35 all told. The Orange have out-rebounded every opponent this year. But the free-throw disparity, to your point, Donna, was 16 more attempts for Syracuse and 12 more makes in a game that they won by seven. And and that's not always the officials. They, they had a, uh, their hands full last night. It was uh, a game where Syracuse did what it needed to do to find a way and, and to get to the line. Um, we're visiting with Donna DeTota, Syracuse.com. Great follow on Twitter, at Donna DeTota, D-I-T-O-T-A-1. And Donna, Frank Howard, I know, you know you've followed him a long time. You've written about him quite a bit. 
to me, it's, he just seems so interesting in the mixed bag that he is. He, he makes one or two head-scratching plays a game, but this season at least he has made one or two major game-winning plays a game. Yeah, the three he made yesterday was ginormous. I mean, I really can't stress the impact of that three. After making two mistakes in a row, um, you know, making that three was just huge. And then he came back a couple, you know, maybe a minute later, 90 seconds later, and drove the ball and and scored there, too. You know, I, I appreciate Frank for what he is. What I love about him is he's not afraid to make a play. He's not afraid to throw the ball up there. He's not afraid to pass the ball, in, 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 you know, to a big guy inside. He's not afraid to make something ha- to try to make something happen. The flip side is, I think there are times when he just loses focus. You know, he, it's, a, it's a very what, what seems like a very simple play. I think he just loses a little focus at times and will make a, a, a mistake that we're all thinking, what, what just happened right there? But I, I like the way he plays. I've liked him from the jump. I mean, I just think he's. He's a guy who's willing to pass the ball, and guys are going to want to play with guys like that. You know, they know that Frank is looking for him. And I think what he's done this year really well is he's finishing at the rim a lot better. Um, and, and he's just he's making some plays at the end of games. And even, you know, even all throughout the games that, that have has really helped Syracuse. A little foul trouble last night. He had three in the first half, uh, wound up with four fouls in the game, and therefore played just 35 minutes. For what it's worth, Tyus Battle has played every minute of five games running now. The Orange next have St. Bonaventure on Friday. Donna, you played for the Bonnies. It's the team you uh, follow second closest after your, your <laughs> J-O-B here at Syracuse. and I, We're all excited. I'm uh, very happy for you and for Coach Sadlin that uh, you get to see the Bonnies uh, come to the Carrier Dome, which doesn't happen very often, but uh, this will be one of the most exciting games of uh, really the first part of the season. Yeah, Jim and I love to talk it up, talk it up about the, the Bonnies. Um, you know what? They, they're playing pretty well this year. They've got Jalen Adams back, and he's obviously the best player on their team and one of the best players in the A-10. He's one of the best point guards Syracuse will face this year. He can shoot the ball. He can get in the lane. Um, he's just a really nice player. Their backcourt is pretty good, um, although Mobley has had some issues with being consistent this year. Um, they're small, which I think is going to hurt them a little bit against Syracuse. Um, you know, but they don't turn it over and they turn teams over a lot. They also are a team that gets to the line quite a bit. And with Jalen Adams in the lineup, they're a much better three-point shooting team. So I'm super looking forward to the game. I can't wait till they get here. And, uh, you know, it should be a good one. All right, very good. All your Christmas shopping done? Uh, no. No, all my Christmas shopping is not <laughs> Good. Done. I'm happy to Thanks hear there's, some, there's somebody else uh, out there that's in the same predicament. Somebody said, oh, we're doing the last minute. I'm like, last minute? i got to get started, first of all. But <laughs> Good, Donna. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you on Friday. Excited about uh, that game for sure. As you pointed out, uh, the Bonnies uh, among the national leaders in uh, turnover margin, so they're not going to help you beat them. And uh, right. l- looking forward to uh, to that one. So good stuff, and we appreciate your time. All right, Matt. Thanks. Have a great day. You bet. That's Donna DeTota of Syracuse.com, at Donna DeTota1 on Twitter if you'd like to join her there. The Frank Howard thing. Mm-hmm. Is amazing to me. It's it's Scoop Jardine all over again. The fan, the fans are torn on him. You know, they either love him or you hate him. And to say he makes head scratchers, there's there were a couple plays last night that the average fan knows not to like not <laughs> to make. You know, like he got ripped right over half court. Like was yeah. looked at what I don't know what happened. He got it was like a four year old getting the ball stolen from him on a playground with an NBA player. It was. It's, well, it's funny. I think Frank is just sort of thinking about this uh, when Donna was speaking that um, I think he maybe uh, every now and again, does he lose track of the fact 
oh, I'm in a major college basketball game with lots of people here watching and stakes and stuff and television, as opposed to just goofing around in the gym where, you know, you can make a lot of great, exciting plays and, and good, bad, or otherwise nobody really notices. And uh, there's not a lot of it value was, on the possession there. Yeah. Yeah. It was like he was standing straight up, just dribbling the ball. Like there wasn't a game going right. around him and the kid ripped him. Right. So, well, 18 points though for Howard and the three that gave Syracuse the lead that it would not relinquish with uh, just over three minutes to go. Micah Parsons is the name, Paul, if you want to Google that, the uh, name of the recruit that I was alluding to earlier that uh, flirted with all the big boys, but then kind of, uh, I would say, dissed Oklahoma a little bit in his uh, recruiting commitment video, and he winds up at Penn State. We'll get into the Syracuse recruiting scenario and hear from Dino Babers a bit later in the show. We'll have Joe in with Do We Care in just a moment. Your phone call is always welcome at 437-7644. More to come as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. There's been a lot of significant non-conference games this year, and I would rather you play teams like this, a good Buffalo team, and then you get St. Bonaventure on Friday, a team that's you know certainly favored and predicted to go to the NCAA tournament. This is good competition that tells you where you're at better than you know the Colgates and the Cornells of the world. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM and 1440 AM. Live from the powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzone. Is there a rift developing between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Reports surfacing that Belichick has banned Brady's longtime trainer and business partner, Alex Guerrero, from the Patriots team plane. And from sidelines, Belichick not offering any reason for the sudden ban. You know, here's the deal on this. Is there a rift developing? I find that very hard to believe. But would the coaches and general managers of uh, professional sports teams have an issue with the private coaching of stars? Absolutely. And maybe not so much the coaching, but you you don't have to have your handler and your guy with you at every step. I think you do want to coddle some of these players to a degree, especially the mega stars like Tom Brady and LeBron James. Put them in position to succeed. Uh, give them what makes them comfortable to deliver at an extraordinarily high Hall of Fame level. But I don't think you're entitled to have your guy on the flight. And I, and I think, you know, if you did allow it to Tom Brady and LeBron James, it's maybe justified. But every Tom, Dick, and Harry with their driver and their masseuse and their chef and their whatever, travel those people at your expense. I, I don't think they need to be scholarship by the team. I agree 100%. I can't even grasp having I'm really any got, of those I'm really things. not in that bad of a mood for the two things that I've talked about today. The uh, The... Uh, <laughs> The fact that you have somebody that you can afford to pay to bring around with you, second of all, I can't get my head around it. And then why do you need somebody? You're 40 the years old. The exception is the You're Josh 40. Hamilton uh, rehab absolutely needs to have a, a babysitter chaperone sponsor with them all the time. That's also in the, you know, all of this is in the team's interest too, but maybe not to the same degree. Um, so I would, I could see a different uh, ruling on something like that, but I have absolutely no problem with Belichick in this situation telling the guy, you know, Find his own way and find his own seat. 
Brooklyn is losing the Islanders, one of New York's NHL teams, the other being the Rangers. I know a little thing about sports. Yeah. Which moved to Brooklyn back in 2015, has won a bid to build a new arena on the grounds of the Belmont Park horse track. The Islanders have been or had been based on Long Island from its inception in 1972 until moving two years ago. Not that I followed this closely, but this one uh, was pretty much a disaster right from the start. Uh, hockey wasn't meant to be played in uh, the Barclays Center, which is great in every respect, but I, from what I understand, it's not super conducive to hockey. The scoreboard's not in the middle of the ice and a bunch of uh, crazy things like that. And uh, I think from as soon as they were in there, they were looking to find a way out. Uh, when you go to Barclays, it feels very much like the Nets. We were there uh, last spring. You'd be hard-pressed to know that the Islanders even played there, and they were talking about maybe going back to rebuilding the Nassau Coliseum, or this is an option, or even I think one next to City Field was an option. So uh, only a matter of time, and uh, I like arenas and new arenas, so I hope it's a good one. And if you're not exactly having a holly jolly Christmas, you can take a flight to London and vent some holiday frustration in Rudolph's Rage Room for just about 24 American dollars. You put on a red jumpsuit and a hard hat and take a baseball bat to some trees and ornaments for three minutes, plus that room features a bar. Fantastic idea, but I... I... You don't have to fly to London or put on the stupid jumpsuit for any of that. Yeah, all three things I've done in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that right here with, uh, you know, I have a baseball bat. I could take a tree or the ornaments. I mean, whatever you want to do, uh, skip the flight, do what you need to do. I could understand that. Bob Humbug from the team and in the booth. Do we care? Sponsored by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. I'm actually, I, I have bah humbugged a couple of things. I'm not really in a bah humbug mood, certainly not about the holidays, although I wish there was more time uh, to prepare. But uh, if the holidays do get you down, I could see taking it out on a ornament or two. That'd be more fun to do it at someone's house that you didn't like. Yeah. Turn someone's house well, into a Rudolph's rage room. You'd have to pay more to, to do that. Can I do one? We could probably save this for tomorrow's show when we've got uh, less on the docket. Uh, one that I do care about that's been floating around. I need more info. What's the deal with this Ocean's 8? It's, Sa- Sandy Bullock and... Uh, yeah. It's a, it, yeah. It's, what is it? it's a remake of a remake of a remake. Yeah, well, obviously we're out of good ideas for movies. That's that's a given. So they just keep recycling, right? Yeah, I didn't but even know it was a it's thing. All, no, it's all girls. It's... Uh, that went well for Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, Sandy Bullock and I think Olivia Munn. So that's a pretty good start. Anne Hathaway uh, is in it. Anne Hathaway, Sarah Paulson. So, I mean, how bad can it be? I know Helena Bonham Carter is in it. Is it like Friends? You <laughs> Big can't... fan of her. <laughs> that, that skewed older. <laughs> <in her. laughs> so much for us being the cool show here. <laughs> uh, yeah, do a little more research on that. Joe, come stronger than Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, she's terrific. Because I'm wanting to see, I want there to be a movie out there that I want to see. It's not going to be Star Wars. Maybe you don't want to see that anyway. Not a fan. No, I know you're you're uh, against it. Maybe this. uh, I mean, how can the Tom Hanks Meryl Streep movie be bad? But pretty easily, I would like to go see a movie sometime in my lifetime in the next next little bit. So there needs to be something out there appealing. I don't know that Ocean's 8 is going to get it done either, but at least it's the effort. Okay, can we come up with some new ideas? Why, yeah, why do we keep I, recycling I, the same? I don't know, but I'm in a Helena Bonham Carter <laughs> vortex now. Yeah, come I'm on. looking up what you she's been in. You can't. Stop. we got to get to a break. This is In the Booth. You guys are really bad. This, this is what I have to work with. 
going to write Santa for <laughs> I don't think I've seen interest. one movie she's been in. All right, Dino Babers coming up on National <laughs> Letter of Intent Signing Day, early signing period. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. <laughs> The Crunch play their first of two games up in Canada this week tonight against the Laval Rocket. Join us for Countdown to Crunch Time at 7.15 and the puck drop at 7.30 on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Welcome back in the booth on ESPN Radio here until 3 o'clock today. Back tomorrow and Friday as well. We'll have Jim Sadlin, former St. Bonaventure coach, and now our analyst on the IMG Sports Network to talk about the Bonnies game on Friday night. That's at 7 in the Dome, and uh, we're all excited for that. Just two non-conference games remaining, and then Virginia Tech comes in on New Year's Eve. The Orange at uh, 10 and one. Bonnie plays tonight. They've got Northeastern at home. They're eight and two and have won five in a row. They won at Buffalo in the head to head matchup. Well, today is the first day in the early signing period, which is new in college football. It is something that figures to benefit Syracuse as a program going forward because the programs at this level can latch on and get recruits in the boat early and not have to fight off the. Uh, the selectors, the Alabamas and Ohio States and Penn States of the world that uh, might come in and poach your recruits. In theory, it ought to help Syracuse. We're going to touch on that here with Dino Babers, whose job really, although he gets in some 15 signees today, is just getting started. You know, uh, new ground, uh, two-thirds of the class is in. Uh, I think the uh, early signing period is something that's going to help Syracuse University. It gives us an opportunity to lock up some guys that maybe uh, some other schools will be trying to steal later on in the recruiting process. I think also with the early signing period, it gives uh, those seniors, some kids are good juniors, but they don't have great tape as a junior. They're just okay. And then those guys that really turn it on late in their senior year, those guys have a tendency to come to more schools like us than going to the uh, tra- more traditional schools because those guys are normally done with their 20, uh, 2018s and moving on to 2019s already. You in particular and your staff uh, identify as strong recruiting evaluators, talent evaluators, in terms of being in early on some players. And we've seen lots of examples of players that are on the current team that uh, then got interest from power programs late in the process. With the new regulations and allowing to get some in early, how does it maybe help you close the, the gap a little bit in terms of improving your talent here? It's, it's going to help. Uh, it gives us, if you're a, a good evaluator and you can get in early on young men and build up that trust factor, it's going to give you an opportunity to maybe to get some guys that maybe you wouldn't be able to hold on uh, to at the end. And uh, I think we are a staff of uh, really good evaluators, and hopefully that will continue in the future. So one of the themes around the program, obviously, and a lot of programs would say this, but particularly here, you're looking to get more talent in, in general and to add depth. And we can get to how you address that in a bit. But going right to a specific need, three senior linebackers started every game for you basically this year, and you went a junior college route uh, there to, to kind of fill the gap in the short term. We went after a junior college linebacker. We, ha- we have some junior college linebackers in the program from last year that played some different positions. They'll be up uh, in, in their roles as well. But we also went after some really highly sought-after uh, early 
enrollee high school mm -hmm. linebackers who will also have an opportunity to make a major impact for us. Gives you an opportunity. A handful of these players will be in for spring ball. And that's not just for quarterbacks anymore, is it, mm -hmm. in terms of the way they can develop? No, we've got safeties, quarterbacks, uh, linebackers. I'm probably going to miss a group somewhere. <laughs> but uh, to get in early and have an opportunity to, to truly learn the offense or the defense and play as a, a freshman, or even yet, if you end up redshirting that year, it gives you five and a half years mm -hmm. to get your undergraduate degree and your master's degree. One of the players in that category would be a late grab for you uh, right here on this uh, early signing period day, and that's Chance Amy, a quarterback from Tyler, Texas. Uh, what sold you on him and uh, him on the program? You know, first of all, I don't like talking about individual guys, but Chance is really special. He was someone that we had targeted as our number one quarterback coming out, out of the summer and uh, came up for a visit and uh, went back home, and he decided to commit to another institution. I don't want to give him any, uh, any ink. <laughs> And, uh, and he stayed committed for a long time, but uh, we stayed after him and stayed after him, and he gave us an opportunity to come up late to show us, for us to show him one more time what we thought we had. And uh, lucky to us that he decided that we were, we were right. He changed his mind and decided to come with us, and we think we have a, a very, very good and chance, Amy. All right, well, I'll hit a couple of the individuals here. And Kadir White and uh, Trill Williams, offensive lineman from Yonkers, defensive back from uh, the Bronx. Uh, you've got, actually, the other way around, but you've got guys that uh, represent New York. You, you not just got New York people, but uh, maybe some of the elite prospects in the state. You know, we got four from New York. We also got a, a safety, uh, Andre Sisco from IMG, and uh, we got our first commit of the class, you know, Gabe Haran. So, we really feel like we did a nice job in state. We're always trying to start here. We're always trying to get the New York people first, and then we're going to work our way out. And uh, my big thing always with in-state kids is that I want to get young men that have an opportunity to show up on the f show up on the field and play and be a part of this family and contribute, so other people from the state can come watch them play. Yeah, Gabe's from Baltimore High School, uh, right down the road. And lastly, coach, the idea that the recruiting period isn't over here. You'll still have the February signing period. So how do you address uh, some that you? May May have some interest in that haven't uh, signed yet and, and what you're going after here with the remaining scholarships you know it's kind of interesting it's almost like the uh, NFL draft where you have the first day of that draft and you've got all the high and then you go to your second pit your second day of the draft two-thirds of our class is in one-third of our scholarships are still available so now we get to regroup have the Christmas holidays go back look at our look at our board and decide where we want to put our emphasis at uh, the young men that maybe didn't sign in this period they get to go back and say hey I was being recruited by this school they didn't sign me they didn't have a real good reason for not signing me and now maybe uh, maybe I don't like them as much as I thought I liked them. Maybe I need to go look for a, a different pond, so to speak, sure. to swim around in. So it's going to be interesting. This is our first time, and everyone's first time. We really don't know how it's going to sift out, but it's going to be fun to see. Well, deep breath for you here just for the holidays. I know you're right back in it, and you have a staff issue to address as well as uh, Sean Lewis is on, and congratulations to him on a 10th assistant down the road. So maybe too early to ask, but you're starting to think about that, I'm sure, in terms of how you uh, make those adjustments. You know, absolutely. I look at it as, first of all, congratulations. Deshaun Lewis, uh, first first guy that I've ever brought up. I mean, when I first time I met him, he was a graduate assistant at Akron University, and uh, he had never coached at a Division One school before. And now it's six years, seven years later, and he's the head coach at Kent State. So kudos to him. I always look at this uh, when we lose coaches. I always look at it as an opportunity 
to change the dynamics of the staff. And I don't look at it as a negative, I look at it as a positive, and it really gets me excited. You talk about what gets me excited. When, when you lose people for the, for the right reasons, for positive reasons, and now you get a chance to reshape, remold, uh, be the potter, so to speak, on that clay, it, it gets exciting to me. So we've got some options. Uh, I'm gonna keep my options close to the vest, but uh, when we come out of this, I, I, I want us to be better than what we were uh, going into it. Dino Babers on the addressing of his staff, which will have at least two changes. He's going to have to address a co-offensive coordinator. Deshaun Lewis is left to be the uh, head coach at Kent State, and reports are he's taken a couple of uh, other people. Uh, no surprise if he ends up taking Matt Johnson, who was the quarterback at, at Bowling Green. It would seem to be uh, a fit for someone to be on the move uh, with a now young staff. But uh, So now you've got half your coordinator team on the offense gone and then Johnson was kind of a, a GA extra pair of hands here but then every staff gets to add a 10th assistant after the first year and Babers didn't want to share just yet what his plans were there but uh, some work to do and this is really kind of the offshoot of the Dino Babers coaching trees he said is really one of the first guys he's had since he's been a head coach who now has branched off and gone elsewhere to have his own uh, head coaching job so we wish uh, Sean Lewis the best and it's also a no-brainer too by the way that these aren't negatives these are positives uh, in terms of being able to address that. bit of a negative in that uh, Tyrone Sampson is a guy that they expected to have in the recruiting class. Uh, apparently will not. He is uh, reconsidering his options. The Orange do have 15 more in the boat in this first signing period, and now some work to do to get to the rest of it. More of that uh, interview at Cuse.com and then the bios on all the players that were signed available there as well. All right, thanks to everybody that helped us put the show together today. Joe and Polly and the whole crew, thanks to you. Back tomorrow at 2 in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.